Hi, my name's Andy Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to episode 30 of the Creative Writer's Tool Belt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. I'm continuing my review of story and plot with a look at how stories are structured. And in this episode, I'm going to look at opening lines. We all know they're important. So how do you start with a powerful, compelling opening line that grabs your reader and keeps them reading? Well, in this episode, I'll show you how to do just that. I'm going to share a number of great opening lines with you and a couple of bad ones that I've made up myself and then explore what this means practically for us as we start to develop a story. So to begin with, opening lines have a number of objectives and the main objective, as I've already hinted at, is to get your reader to continue reading, to capture them right at the start and to draw them in. How do you do that? You do it by making your reader ask questions like, who is this character? What is this place like? Why did that incident happen? And crucially, what happens next? Let me give you an example from one of the masters of storytelling. In talking about opening lines, Stephen King says this, an opening line should invite the reader to begin the story. It should say, listen, come in here. You want to know about this. Let's see how that works from one of King's own books. This is the first line of book one in the Dark Tower series. And I've quoted this a few times in previous episodes. The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. That's a great opening line. And when somebody reads it, they start to ask questions. Who is the man in black? Who's the gunslinger? Why are they bound together in this pursuit? And the effect of asking these questions is to keep the reader in the story. So that's the core deliverable for a first line. You have to intrigue your reader, make them ask questions, make them want to carry on. This doesn't mean that you have to dazzle them or bludgeon them with lots of sound and fury and actions and explosions. First objective of the opening line is not to jolt the reader or to shock them, just as an end in itself. First objective is to keep them in the story. And to illustrate this, I want to have a look at another example now, a rather understated but nevertheless brilliant first line. And this is from Ernest Hemingway's classic novel, The Old Man and the Sea. This is how it starts. He was an old man who fished alone in a skiff in the Gulf Stream and he had gone 84 days now without taking a fish. Hemingway doesn't stun the reader with this first line. He doesn't blast us with superlatives and yet this is a powerful invitation to continue. And to find out why this line works, we need to look under the surface and explore some of the other objectives of the opening line and how these can work together to achieve the main objective of keeping the reader hooked. So what are these other objectives I'm talking about here? Well, they relate to the main dimensions of the story, plot, setting, character, style and voice. These other objectives are all about presenting a foretaste to the reader of the dimensions of the story. Maybe it's the setting of the story, maybe the characters, perhaps even the voice. Very often it's a combination of things. Let's go back to Stephen King's first line from the Dark Tower series. Here it is again. The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. In that line, King manages to introduce two principal characters, the man in black and the gunslinger, and a little bit of the setting and something of the plot. And it also hints at the voice he's going to use. It's that earthy, blunt, direct storytelling voice that King is famous for. I'll come back to voice later on, but now let's have a look again at Hemingway's first sentence from The Old Man in the Sea. Here it is again. He was an old man who fished alone in a skiff in the Gulf Stream, and he had gone 84 days now without taking a fish. So why does that work? It's not because Hemingway is trying to provoke us with emotional language. Far from it, in fact. It's the lack of emotion in that language. It's that spare, direct style that Hemingway uses that actually draws us in. But there are some other things that we are told or can infer from this opening line. 
The protagonist is an old man. He's a key character. He's gone 84 days and caught nothing, but he's still fishing. That tells us something about his state of mind, the determination he feels, maybe the frustration that he's going through as well. And this line also tells us that the setting will be the sea. And it's going to be a story about a contest, a contest between this old man and the sea and the fish that he's trying to catch. So this first line works because it provides so much to us. Something about Hemingway's voice as a writer, something about character through the old man, something about setting, something about storyline. And so we buy into it. As a reader, we're hooked. Let's consider another first line now. And this is the first line from Orson Scott Card's classic sci-fi novel, Ender's Game. This is how that goes. I've watched through his eyes and I've listened through his ears and I tell you he's the one, or at least as close as we're going to get. Now, this opening line is big on intrigue. It tells us that the speaker is in conversation with somebody else about a third character, possibly the protagonist of the story. As it turns out, it is the protagonist of the story. And this line also tells us just a little bit about that protagonist, that he's somehow special, that somehow he may be important, that people are looking to him for something. And we know something of the setting. This is a world where people can look through another's eyes, hear with another's ears. And we get a hint of the plot. These people are looking for somebody and our protagonist might be the best person that they can find. So again, the reader is provoked into asking a number of questions about the dimension of the story. And in asking those questions, they're captivated. Now, by way of contrast, let's consider this opening line. There were red flowers there and some other plants. Now, I've written this first line myself, and I have to say it's a very bad opening line because there's precious little in it to attract or intrigue the reader. There's no reference to character. There's no dramatic tension. There's hardly any setting. There's not really much voice. There isn't anything that would say to the reader, as King would say, come in, you want to be here, you want to listen to this. Here's another example of a bad opening line. The API will provide all of the protocols and software routines for the management of the task of programming the GUI components and facilitate the integration of new features, she said. What? Okay, so there might be 1% of your readership who are going to enjoy that sentence, but everybody else is going to be tempted to leave the story before they start. Why is this? Well, to begin with, if you as the reader don't know what an API is or a GUI interface... That's the writer's fault, not yours. If you're reading this as entertainment, it's the writer's job to present technical language in an accessible way, not the reader's job to dive into Wikipedia every other paragraph to find out what's going on. As well as that, there's no reference to character, there's no style, and the reader might well be jolted by the slightly awkward dialogue tag at the end. So if you're reading this, you're either going to hope the story is going to improve or you're going to bail out at this point. So that's enough bad examples. Let's get back to some good ones. There's a fine tradition of wonderful first lines from children's literature. Consider this first line from J.M. Barry's novel Peter Pan, written just over a 100 years ago. All children except one grow up. Now this is brilliant. It's so simple, just six words. But in those words are hints at the voice of the author, the protagonist and the nature of the protagonist, the setting, a place where this child who doesn't grow up lives. And so it starts questions forming in our minds as readers. Who is this child? Why don't they grow up? Where exactly do they live? What do they do? What adventures do they have? This simple one line gives the reader enough information to start asking those questions and so therefore be hooked. Let's look at another example from classic children's literature, although from much more recent times. This is the first line from the first book in the Harry Potter series. Mr and Mrs Dursley of number four, Privet Drive, were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. 
Again, that's a wonderful line. We have a sense of the prim suburban lifestyle of these characters. We have their formal names, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley, the rather prim and proper address, number four, Privet Drive. We have the fact that they want to be normal. They want to live perfectly normal, civilised lives. And that, of course, leads us to think that their proper, correct normal lives are going to be blown away by some kind of abnormality, which of course it is because Harry Potter is going to come into their lives. And there's also a fragility to Mr and Mrs Dursley's world. And we sense that Rowling is going to break their lives apart. And indeed, she does. Finally, here's an example from the great children's storyteller Roald Dahl. This is the first line of his novel, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. The last time we saw Charlie, he was riding high above his hometown in the Great Glass Elevator. So you should be able to spot how a sentence like this works. It's provoking all the right questions relating to the dimensions of the story. Who is Charlie? Well, in this instance, this book is a sequel to an earlier one. So if you've read the early one, you know who Charlie is. But you would want to ask the question, why is he riding high above his town? What is this great glass elevator? What adventure is he off on? And so the reader is drawn in. The essential requirement, therefore, of a first line is that the reader is drawn in and captured, is intrigued by what they read. They're given just enough information to start asking the right questions. And that means giving them hints around the dimensions of the story, character, plot, setting. And if you're getting really good at this, voice. And I mentioned voice earlier, and I want to say something more about it now. On the subject of opening lines and voice, Stephen King says this. So an intriguing context is important. And so is style. But for me, a good opening sentence really begins with voice. You hear people talk about voice a lot when I think they really just mean style. Voice is more than that. People come to books looking for something. They don't come for the story or even for the characters. They certainly don't come for the genre. I think readers come for the voice. Now, I'm not sure I agree with Stephen King that people don't come to a book for the story or the character, but I think he's right about voice. A consistent and mature voice in a story is actually very attractive to readers. Why is this? I think it's because it shows the authenticity at the heart of what the writer is doing and the story that they're going to tell. So what have we learned and how can we put all this into practice? Well, there are three things basically to remember with opening lines. The first is the most fundamental objective of an opening line is to get your reader gripped and keep them reading. The second, which is related to it, is achieving that first objective is all about hinting at certain things to do with the dimensions of the story, character, plot, setting and voice. Hinting at things in that first line which are going to provoke the reader into asking questions. The third point is that you give the reader just enough to ask those questions, to be able to frame questions which will lead them into the story, which will make them think, I want to find out more. Okay, so I like to talk about the Creative Writer's Tool Belt as a source of practical, accessible advice. And in the spirit of that, what I've done is set up a thread on my Goodreads page. So if you want to see that, just go to goodreads.com and look up the Creative Writer's Tool Belt. There you'll see a thread on opening sentences. And I've put a couple of my own opening sentences in there. And I'm hoping that some of you guys can go and put some of yours in there as well. And also provide some good critique to any of the other opening sentences that are already in there. So let's help each other and get some help ourselves by putting some examples of our own work onto that Goodreads thread and reviewing some of the other stuff that's there. So I hope this has been helpful to you. In today's episode, I have quoted from an interview with Stephen King in The Atlantic magazine from July 2013. I've also quoted from The Gunslinger, a game by Stephen King, published by Hodder, from The Old Man and the Sea by Ernest Hemingway, published by Scribner, from Ender's Game by Orson Scott Cobb, published by Orbit, Peter Pan by J.M. Barry, which is in the public domain. 
Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling, published by Bloomsbury. Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator by Roald Dahl, published by Puffin Books. Before I finish, I just want to say that in the next episode, I'm going to be sharing some more about structure with you. But I'm also going to include an interview with astrophysicist and science fiction writer Alastair Reynolds. I know quite a number of you will be Alistair Reynolds fans, and I'm sure you'll find it an interesting conversation. The audio quality on it is not quite as good as I would have wanted, but the content is fascinating. So if you're an Alistair Reynolds fan, I hope that'll be a treat for you. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found it helpful. As ever, if you've got comments, please do get in touch. As I've said, I'm on Goodreads at the Creative Writers Toolbelt Group. You can also reach me by email. It's andrew at andrewjchamberlain.com. And also at Twitter, my account is at Writers Toolbelt. My thanks as ever to podcast themes for the music. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.